Welcome again to uh, the second to last installment in Jesus Unfiltered, the I Am Statements of our Savior Jesus, the claims that he made about who he was, uh, unadulterated, uh, in your face, sometimes very direct. Uh, one more today and then one more on Easter Sunday, and we pray that you've been blessed throughout this series because of Jesus, the I Am, who is the bread of life, the light of the world, the gate, the good shepherd, last week, the vine, and, and today we're going to unpack John chapter 14. And before we do, I have a question for you. Is anything troubling you? Probably a ridiculous question if you've been watching the news at all this week, right? Like the, the tragedy that happened in Nashville at the Covenant School? The video? The pain, the, the loss, the, the sadness? I don't know how much of it you've heard about. I don't know how much you've seen of it. But when I heard of it, it was troubling. Is anything troubling you? Maybe it's not the events of our world that we live in today. But it could be a lot of the things that we've dealt with over the course of the last several months and, and year. And from a political standpoint or an economic standpoint, maybe those things are troubling you right now. Or maybe what's troubling you is personal. Like maybe for some of you, it's the, the news that you just got about your health or something that you're fighting or, or dealing with, a disease that is affecting you. Maybe it's chronic pain, something you know will never go away. What's troubling you? Or maybe it's relational. Maybe that relationship that that you treasure and cherish is no longer there because that person is no longer here. Or maybe that person is no longer there and they, they've kind of left and walked away from that relationship with you. Is, is, is a relationship troubling you? Like, I don't know what it is, but the odds are pretty good that there's something in your life, something in our world, something maybe that has taken place or, or probably something that will come up very soon that might cause your heart to be troubled. Like the circumstances might change from today to tomorrow. The, the life that you're living might get turned upside down or the world in which we live is simply troubling. And I think Jesus knew that was a reality in his world. And not just the world in which we live can there be things that trouble us, but spiritually. Like what is it that spiritually maybe is, is troubling you or has troubled you? Like have you you ever been spiritually troubled by your sins? Like, wondered if Jesus can forgive that one? Like, it's so big and so bad? Or maybe you're like a lot of Christians. I've had strong Christians ask me, like, Pastor, how do I know if, if I'm going to get there? Like, is Jesus really the, the way there? Is what I believe Right? Like, it's very easy to get spiritually troubled too, isn't it? And that's the real struggle, I think, that Jesus saw 2,000 years ago in his disciples' lives. And what he understands is true because he, he lived a life for 33 years and, and saw it in other people's eyes. And, and he knows it's still real for you and for me today. Uh, it's the struggle and the tension, I think, that our text unpacks for us. And it's this. 
hearts, the human heart gets troubled. So I don't know what is troubling your heart today. I, I don't know what circumstance you might be facing. I know it's spiritual issues or questions you have that are out there, but, but I'm glad you're here because God wants to, to speak to your heart. He wants to speak to, to his people who, who, who are often troubled, who, who go through troubles, who, who live in a world that's troubled, and, and he wants you to have the answer, the solution to that struggle. And Jesus understood this because his disciples, the night before he died, were troubled. And here's why. Like we're in John chapter 13. We're going to go into John chapter 14. You know where we're at in Holy Week. Jesus has already come to Jerusalem. He's done a lot of teaching in the temple. We're Thursday night where, where Jesus was celebrating the Passover meal. That's done and gone. He's instituted the Lord's Supper before what we're going to read in just a few moments. Uh, he's, he's just washed their feet in John chapter 13. The the model and example of what servant leadership is like. He said, do likewise. He's called out Judas. He's identified him as the betrayer. Uh, and Judas has left the room. Like Judas was out the door and then Jesus said this, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me and just as I told the Jews, so I will tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Like, I wonder what Peter's voice inflection was like. I don't have to wonder what Jesus saw in the faces of the 11 who were left in the room. Like Jesus had been telling them over the course of the week, the Son of Man must die. The Son of Man must die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm not going to be with you for a long time. And that was hard news, troubling news for 11 men who had dropped everything, stopped their life to follow Jesus everywhere he went, to sit at his feet every last day, to, to learn and to grow and to, to know the amazing love of of Jesus, the love that he had for them. And, and here Jesus is saying, I, I'm going to be leaving soon. Like, that's kind of troubling. Really troubling. Like, just think of in your life when people that you love leave. Like, a part of your, your heart hurts and aches. Like, I know every time my, my wife sees my, my son or gets to see my daughter and our son-in-law and our grandkids, and, and they have to leave and go. It's, it's hard. And so Jesus knew in the, the room, he could sense the troubled hearts that the disciples had. In fact, one verse later, as we get into John chapter 14, he actually just identifies it. See, here's the thing. Like chapters in the Bible, like sometimes we read a chapter and we stop, and then we take a day and then we read the next chapter and we sometimes think a lot of time has passed. Like a chapter mark in the, in the Bible, a verse separation, is not the way the original was written. So Jesus goes right from John 13, the disciples, like, having hearts that are troubled, they say, where are you going? We don't know where you're going. We want to go with you. You can't come with me, Jesus said. He knew what was going on on the inside. He could see it on the outside. And so he said, do not let your hearts 
be troubled. Easy for you to say, right, Jesus? Well, actually, think about it. Like in a few minutes, he was going to go out the door and go to the garden where only hours later he would be arrested, taken away, put on trial. Like his heart had a whole lot going on on the inside. He saw in their eyes the troubled hearts that they had because of what he had just said. And yet right in that moment, Jesus really says, do not let your hearts be troubled. The Greek verb is actually a form that basically Jesus is saying, stop it. Stop it right now. Do not let this go on. Because Jesus knew the danger that could come if we don't address the, our hearts when they get troubled. Like literally the word heart is the seat of emotion, the spiritual center of who you are in the Bible. So Jesus is really talking about at the heart and core of who you are, your spiritual life, your spiritual well-being, do not be troubled. That word trouble is literally the the word that described what took place at the pool of Bethesda, that, that pool that the waters would move, and if you were the first one to get in the water, you got healed. The word trouble literally means to stir, to, to be stirred up, to be distressed. Almost always in the Bible, when the word troubled is used, it's talking about our emotions. Like, so, you know what emotions are. A lot of times they're driven by feelings and not facts. And they sometimes get affected and cause us to fear as opposed to have faith, right? So Jesus understood this, and he he didn't want their hearts to be troubled, their emotions to to take them down a bad path, their emotions to cause them to be paralyzed, their emotions to to cause them to to look to themselves for strength and help. Like, what do you do oftentimes when when you're troubled? Like, you you jump in, you you turn inward, you, you look to yourself for the answers. Jesus said, no, none of those things. Don't be troubled. Believe in God. Keep on believing in me. It's, it's literally an ongoing, in-the-present action. Continue to believe in me and continue to believe in God. Like right now, your emotions are stirred. Your heart is troubled. I know this is a lot to hear and I know it's hard to handle, but, but here's the answer. Don't look within. Don't be paralyzed. Don't let fear trump faith. Instead, remember the facts. Believe in God. Keep on believing in in him and believe in me because of who I am. See, Jesus understood that those disciples were going to experience a whole lot of troubles. Like in a few hours, they were going to run in fear. A day later, they were all going to be in a room hiding because they thought they were going to be next. This week we're going to talk about it, but before that Sunday that that we celebrate, and we're going to celebrate, they they thought all hope was lost. Their hearts were going to be troubled. Down the road, when they went out into the world, they were going to be persecuted for their faith. Like, they were going to face things that were hard and difficult troubles. And Jesus didn't want them to forget where to turn to, where to look when hearts get troubled like ours might be right now, whether there are circumstances going on in your life, whether it's the world in which we live, whether there are spiritual concerns and questions, Jesus would say, believe in God and believe in me, I'm God. Which is why I love where Jesus went to next. 
Like in verse 2, Jesus builds off of what he already says to, to address the hearts that he knew were troubled in the room. And he gave them an answer of to where he was going. And he gave a beautiful promise of what he does. Of the one who can, can calm our troubled hearts. Do not let your hearts be troubled. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Like when Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled, believe in me, he doesn't leave them without facts. He doesn't leave them hanging and, and cause them to be indifferent. No, he goes right to the heart of the matter and shares with them one of the most amazing promises of God. Like Jesus came down and lived on earth for 33 years. During the week we call Holy Week, he, he, he taught and he, and he talked and he, and he pointed people in the direction of the reality of, of heaven and God and, and eternity. And, and here in this moment, he tells the disciples, I'm going back there. Like my life mission was not to come down here and set up an earthly kingdom. My, my mission was to come down to rescue you and to rescue all and return there and rule over all things for your good. But here's my promise, Jesus said. I know your hearts are troubled. I've told you that this is going to happen, but I'm going there to get a place ready for you. For you. For you. For each and every one of us as Christians, that's what Jesus' promise is. And in his Father's house are many rooms. Like some of you are too young to know this thing called the King James Version of the Bible. Ever heard of it? If you're older, you know, maybe you memorized your passages out of it. You can actually find it on Bible Gateway. But I like the King James Version of this verse a whole lot better than this one. I, mean, I love this. In my Father's house are many rooms. It tells me there's multiple places. It's an amazing place. But the King James Version says, In my Father's house are many mansions. Like, there's some fancy, fancy houses right around here at St. Peter, aren't there? Like, really nice houses. I know some of you live in them, and they're beautiful. Like, we can see what an amazing mansion looks like when we watch TV shows. That's what God wants you to know. He's getting ready for you. For you. Like, I have a pretty nice condo, but it's only two bedrooms, and it's got two bathrooms, and that's nice. Better than most. It's probably better than 99% of the people in the world have to live in, right? <laughs> but it ain't even close to that. <laughs> like, and when this life gets troubled, when your body breaks down, when your finances are in question, when, when a relationship goes bad, when your heart is troubled because of spiritual things, Jesus wants you to take your eyes off of yourself, not be consumed and overcome by this world, but, but celebrate and know what he is doing right now for you is getting a place ready for you. He's gone there. He ascended back there. And his promise to you is one day, one day he will come back and get you. Personally. Like, that's Jesus. Like, there's nothing you have ever done, so sin, so big and great, that Jesus didn't pay for on the cross and Jesus' promise won't be followed through on. He will do it. He promises it, and he gave the disciples the answer. Where I'm going, I'm going there. And I'm going there because I need to get there ready for you, and one day I'll come back and take you to be there with me. 
And yet in the moment, the disciples were still troubled. Like Jesus didn't answer the question the way Thomas wanted him to. And doesn't that happen sometimes in our, our lives? Like what we're facing, what we're hearing, what we're going through is so big and so hard that sometimes we forget what God says. Like I thought Jesus was pretty obvious. I'm going back to the Father. I'm going to heaven. That's where I came from. The disciples knew he came from heaven and he made a promise he's going to come back and take them to be in heaven. But Thomas didn't get it. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Like if Jesus gave them a command to to go back to, to Nazareth, when he, when he told them after he, he rose from the dead, go back to, to Galilee, I'll see you by the sea, they knew exactly how to get there. They probably knew the three ways they could get there. Just like you could take out your iPhone and find probably four or five different ways to get back to your house. Well, if you live just up French Road one way or another, there's only probably one way, but outside of that, many of you could find multiple ways to your house. Do you like the scenic route? Do you like the slow route? Do you want the fast route? Do you want the city route? Do you want the interstate route? In Appleton, it basically is... 15 minutes for me to get from here to my house, no matter which way I go, because we live in Appleton. And the disciples knew the way to a lot of places, but they were still confused. Like, Jesus, we don't know where you're going. So how do we know the way? Like, give us the roadmap. Give us the answer. How do we get there? Which is really the biggest, most troubling thing that this world can encounter. How do I get to heaven? And sadly, there are a lot of people who don't know the way. Sadly, there are some who believe there are just like my iPhone can pull up five different ways to my house, multiple paths to God. And maybe you're one of them. Maybe you're uncertain. Maybe you're troubled about it. Or you're wondering if, if I can even find the way, if, if God will bring me there. If, if this is the case, Thomas wanted to know, Lord, just tell us. Like, give us the, the map, give us the answer to which Jesus does. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Like this I am statement of Jesus, and I want to talk about it for just a few minutes, is one of the most controversial, hard I am statements and claims he ever made. And for you and for me, the most comforting words probably he ever said. Because in a few minutes, he was going to leave the door to make all those things possible. In a few minutes, he was going to leave that door and fulfill all things Scripture had said, the truth. So that what he just had promised in verses 2 through, through 4 could be possible for you and for me, the truth. And so it's so comforting for a Christian to hear Jesus make the bold, pull-no-punches statements. Here's how you get there. Here's what will bring you there. It is, it is me. But it's also one of the hardest statements for others to hear because of the exclusivity that, that Jesus claims about how one gets to heaven. Like, and I want you to see it because a lot of people will push back on it. 
there are people who actually will say that, that this Bible verse, it's not really Jesus saying he's the way, he's, he's a way, right? Have you ever had someone argue with you and say, there, there's other ways? You, you actually have heard other religions say, well, we might believe this and that religion believes that and they really have nothing in common, but, but they're all ways to the same place. Like, just believe in a God, be spiritual in nature. Like, at the end of the day, we'll all get there. No, Jesus said. No. Like, the, the Greek leaves no doubt. It's not a way. It's not possible ways. Like, in the Greek language, it's a little bit different than our language, but I want you to see the flavor of it. I'm going to impress you a little bit by reading some Greek. Ego, I, me. Hey, hadas. Kai, hey, Aletheia, Kai, hey, Zoe. I know, pretty impressive, right? I paid for eight years of schooling just to be able to do that. Now, here's the really impressive thing. That little letter that you see that looks like an N with a breathing mark backwards, Jesus said it three times. The, God inspired in the Bible for it to be recorded three times this way to emphasize to you the, the definite Reality, the, the definite article is listed three times. That little letter means this. I am the way. Like we would emphasize this by all capsing a word, right? Like give it emphasis, emphasize the, the only singular the way and the truth and the life. Not one of, not a, the one and only way, the one and only truth, the one and only life. No other way given to men under heaven by which we must be saved. Salvation is found in no one else, Peter said a few weeks later. The book of Hebrews lays it out very clearly. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, the only which is so comforting when your heart is troubled over sin to know that the one who, who makes the claim backed it up by going to the cross. Your sins have been paid for by the way, the truth, the life. When the devil tries to get you to doubt, does God care, does God love me, look no further than the cross of Jesus. And remember the empty tomb where he conquered death so that you and I might not just have a good life here, might not just have a few things here, but have the ultimate life, the abundant life, through faith in Jesus Christ, eternal life. And in a world that there is so many troubles, how comforting it is to know that we know the way. And this week is all about the fact that how he made a way by going to the cross and paying the price that we could not pay. And rising on Easter so that we could know life. The life. You see, our, our struggle is our hearts get troubled, but you know what Jesus said later in John chapter 14? In this world, you will have troubles. Like, it'll happen. But you know what he said? Take heart. I have overcome the world. Like at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. At the end of the chapter, he says, in this life you'll have troubles, but take heart. Don't let your hearts be troubled, but take heart. I've overcome the world. I am the way, and I'm going to make a way by going to the cross and by walking out of the tomb 
And by going back to heaven, I'll get a place for you. And one day, I will come back and take you there. Because I'm the way. Don't doubt, don't fear, believe. See, Jesus' solution to our struggle is simply the statement. Like Jesus' solution, it's me. I am, Jesus said. Like seven different times, I am statements of Jesus. Have you found and captured that Jesus talks very clearly about he is it, the only path. He is it, the possible solution. He is it. He is the answer. I am, Jesus said. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the one who can calm the, the troubled heart, your heart. Martin Luther said this about John chapter 14. I'll read it for you because I think it's one of the most amazing quotes. Martin Luther said this about John chapter 14. He said, This is the best and most comforting sermon preached by Christ while on this earth. It is a jewel and a treasure not purchasable with the world's goods. Like, there is not enough money, not enough things uh, that you can have to, to offer to buy this precious gift of John 14 the comforting words of Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. I'm getting heaven ready for you. Take heart, I have overcome the world. And I want to come back to to one thing about that answer. And I want you to think about them. Like as comforting as this is for you, when there's troubles in our life, when our heart is troubled, to know Jesus is with us, to know Jesus is preparing a place for us, to know Jesus will come back to take me to be with him, that I know the way, the truth, and the life. But I need you to hold on to the reality that he says, I am the only answer to the, the ultimate spiritual trouble. And I need you to think about them. Like the person in your life who, who maybe has walked away from him, who maybe has even said out loud, it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you believe in something, I want you to think about them. Like maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's one of your kids, maybe it's a grandkid. I want you to think about them. They need to hear about him. Like there is no other way. Like I know it's hard and there are people in your life that you would say, these are good people. God would not send them there, would he? If they don't believe in him, they're not going to end up with him. So I need you to think about how you might invite them. How you might ask them. How you might show them Jesus in your life with your actions. And, and maybe just maybe it's an invitation to, to meet the solution to the troubles. Maybe they're going through them worldly. Maybe their heart is troubled by all that they're seeing. This world is broken. This world is hard. But we know somebody who's the way, the truth, and the life that the solution to our troubles. He's overcome it all. So can I convince you to to put on your heart how you might just invite them to come and meet him? Like maybe Friday or maybe Sunday or maybe in the weeks ahead so that they know the way and that they can have the ultimate peace. Which is what John wanted for you and for me. Like John who wrote these words, Jesus' I am statement, wrote these in his first letter, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, like 
We know the way so that you may know that you have eternal life, that you might know Jesus and what he gives to us because he rose from the dead. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. The truth is known to us through the word and we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. That is Jesus, my friends. He is the way. Praise God that you know it. And this week as we celebrate, he made his way into Jerusalem. He walked his way out of Jerusalem and he walked out of the tomb so that you and I might, might know life and get to enjoy the place he's preparing for you and for me right now. Until then, when your heart gets troubled, remember the solution. It's Jesus, the one and only way, truth, and life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your promises. And we call on you, Lord, this week that we call holy to to redirect our eyes, to believe in you for who you are and all that you've did. Lord, thank you for for calming our troubled hearts. I know there are people here, Lord, today who are dealing with troubles. May your word and your promises, your presence, and the truth about who you are help them remember that in this time of trouble, no matter what the trouble is, uh, we have the solution. It is you, the one who made a way for us, gives us access to God, who revealed the truth of God, and gives us the life that only God can offer. So Jesus, we thank you for all that you have done for us. Holy Spirit, bless our week as we hear these truths and celebrate all that you did that first holy week through your life, death, and resurrection.